it was a dark and stormy night. When I landed at George Belfast City Airport for the first time last September, and the only thing greeting me was a giant luminous advertisement for potato, cheese, and onion crisps, <laughs> featuring a grinning giant potato in a red airplane that read, a taste of home, castle cooked since 1956. After bidding farewell to my cushy quasi-government office job, seven and a half year relationship, and cluttered apartment that I called home for the past four years in Washington, DC, and waiting nearly two months for my UK student visa, I was eager to start anew in a place where I didn't know anyone and nobody knew me. Besides, I was in the right state of mind to let go of my attachments after spending the past two days in India with the Tibetan Buddhist leader, the Dalai Lama, who had visited the island of Ireland many times and apparently called it the heart chakra of Europe. I actually don't really know what that means, but that's what a friend of mine from Dublin said, so don't quote me on it. Anyways, with a blank slate, I was optimistic that this would be the place where I could enjoy true freedom. Not just freedom from work, freedom from anxiety, freedom from burden, but also freedom to explore new interests, find new meaningful relationships, and to be present and enjoy myself in this new and unfamiliar place. Anyways, back to the Tato bus shelter at City Airport, where it was now starting to pour freezing rain that was starting to soak into my sandal-clad socks. There was a somber yet sympathetic look on the woman at the value cab's counter. She told me, I'm sorry, love, but they're doing construction on the roadway, so they're at least an hour-long queue for a taxi. I later learned that I could have probably walked home in the same amount of time and not been carrying two suitcases, sleep-deprived from my 20-hour journey, and wanted nothing more than a hot shower. But eventually, after waiting for nearly an hour, I managed to hail a cab and had my first conversation in Belfast with an extremely amicable driver named Peter, which ranged from how Catholics now outnumbered Protestants for the first time in last year's <laughs> census, to his thoughts on the conflict between North and South Korea. And uh, all of this was in about a 15-minute car ride. But as he dropped me off at the doorstep of the dormitory at the Methodist Church of Ireland off of Malone Road, which is the student accommodation for Trinity College Dublin in Belfast, and my home for the next year, he said, I'm sure I'll see you around. This is a small town. <laughs> as a side note, it just so happened that the Methodist Church of Ireland happened to be experiencing a heating issue, so I cringed through an ice-cold shower with some leftover travel-size shampoo I had brought from the airport hotel in New Delhi. And before I knew it, it was 2.45 a.m. And as I popped a melatonin gummy in my mouth, I thought to myself, this is it. You finally made it. <laughs> but it turns out that Belfast wasn't as different or as unfamiliar as I thought it would be, nor was someone like me to Belfast. Actually, my first meal in Belfast turned out to be Bao Bun on Lisbon Road, a Taiwanese street food shop that gives Boojums a run for its money in terms of hip, fast, casual spots in the city. And while I thought I'd be the only Asian man in Northern Ireland, that assumption was quickly shattered when I went to get a bus pass at the TransLink office in the city center. Right in front of me in the queue was a guy who looked just like me, who said in a thick Belfast accent, could you help top up me with card, yeah? 
That would be grand, like, <laughs> which left me wondering what in the world just came out of his mouth. <laughs> when the rain finally cleared, I decided to take advantage of a rare sighting of the sun and go for a run around Lagan Meadows, which would become my daily route for the rest of the fall. As I emerged from the forest trails and breathed in the crisp autumn air, I saw a pair of rainbows shimmering on the horizon, which I interpreted as an auspicious symbol of my new adventure. And during that first week, everything really did feel novel and exciting. Even mundane tasks like stocking up on the microwavable curries and soups at Tesco, or trying unsuccessfully to set up a student bank account at Santander, somewhere I would return dozens and dozens of times. <laughs> I even found myself queuing 90 minutes to enter the Queen's Student Union to catch the Freshers' Fair. The frenzied energy of the Freshers, who seemed to always travel in packs, and the upperclassmen who were giving out freebies like it was Halloween, took me back to nearly a decade ago when I was in their shoes at uni back in the States. Channeling my inner starry-eyed student spirit, I signed up for every single table that caught my eye, from the surfing club to the Indonesian club. I even ventured onto the dance floor at Revolución de Cuba for a free salsa lesson on Tuesday evenings, where the Irish instructor launched immediately into a complex sequence of twists and turns that I couldn't follow for my life. After a few weeks, though, the magic of the honeymoon phase started to wear off, and I found myself settling into the same routine of running, playing cello, calling my grandmother, scrolling through social media, and nodding off during the homily during mass. I even started to bump into people that I knew around town, including my second time back at City Airport for an early morning flight. What seemed like a fresh start had grown stale already. When I was visiting my family in Seoul, South Korea last month for the holidays, I heard a radio host talk about a four-character idiom in Korean called Takshim Samil, which literally means a resolution that lasts three days. The host was explaining how the idiom is used most to refer to people who set lofty goals at the beginning of the year, like going to the gym every day or never drinking again, only to break them after a few days. Growing up in a Catholic family, I was all too familiar with how this cycle seemed to repeat itself, not just every January, but every Lenten season as well. <laughs> and on the same trip, I actually ended up getting LASIK eye surgery to correct my vision, which had been terrible since I was in primary school. The ophthalmologist, who uh, also happened to be my cousin, walked me through the pros and cons, including the most common side effects, which were dry eyes and the blurring of lights at night. What stuck with me most, though, was what he said about the limits of the procedure. No matter how well the operation is done, your eyesight will only be as good as they would be with your glasses on. Your vision can never return completely back to normal. So with a corrected pair of eyes and a new haircut, I returned to Belfast for the third time. At this point, I didn't even need to pull up directions on Google Maps to find my way back home. There was no rainstorm or double rainbow or even Mr. Tato to greet me this time. But I've let go of any expectations that life will be completely different this time around. Perhaps it's impossible to completely rid ourselves of the memories and baggage we carry as we grow up. So a hard reset 
might be wishful thinking. Maybe life is more like a sack of potatoes or a head of cabbage. It tastes better fried or fermented than fresh from the field. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you very much. Um, I can't believe there was one line in there that, that really struck me as you came to Belfast hoping for freedom from anxiety. <laughs> Boy, were you on some steep learning curve. <laughs>